Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great week and thank you for tuning in to Data Wonderman's Podcast 11. So we'll kick off this week's podcast by discussing 20 unseen Instagram tools to grow your audience. So in June of 2016, Instagram reached 500 million users. And this is huge because it's a brilliant opportunity for innovative businesses to grow their audience, engage, and increase revenue. All you really need to do this is you need the right tool. Um, So the first tool to discuss is Schedugram. And it's spelled S-C-H-E-D-U-G-R-A-M. This tool allows you to automate all your Instagram posts by scheduling in advance. It allows you to publish your posts immediately or set present times and maintain an active presence online and manage multiple accounts. The next tool you can use is called Iconosquare and it's spelled I-C-O-N-O Square. Iconosquare is Google Analytics for Instagram. It gives you all the tracking information you need such as comments, likes, and engaged followers for each post. And now you can remember with all this information available, you can determine which type of content is receiving more attention. The next tool is ShopScene. It's spelled S-H-O-P, Scene. ShopScene allows you to manage and track your product inventory and sales. You can schedule same posts on other social media channels to expand marketing efforts. The next tool is called Tagboard. With Tagboard, you can track the most trending hashtags on various social networks. It allows you to check how brands are using the hashtags and how you can implement the same hashtags into your marketing campaign. Another tool is PostSO. PostSO is a straightforward, easy application to use and allows you to post and schedule for social media. It integrates with Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And um, these are all different mediums than the current scheduling platforms that Data Wonderment is using. Currently, we're just trying out different things in different platforms to see which one is the most effective. Another application is PicFlow. Um, PicFlow is an Instagram social media channel for pictures and photos. Um, This app is good if you want to create a good-looking slideshow for your audience. It allows you to add photos, music, and create a slideshow. Another app that's really useful is Soldsy. It's spelled S-O-L-D-S-I-E. Soldsy employs your bio link to showcase your content and makes your photos link to the content your fans are trying to find. So this really allows you to um, share your bio link and allow your audience to learn more about you. And once they click on the bio link, they can look at your content and and make a photos link to the content so fans are able to look at the photos more deeply and understand your business. So um, these are some really useful tips I thought I'd discuss. And um, currently we're trying to get our Instagram page off and running, so... These are just some helpful tips to help us out and help our followers. So for the next part of our podcast, we'll discuss seven tips for using Instagram for business. 
It's really important to note that Instagram currently has over 700 million monthly active users, which is huge. Our first tip of our seven tips for mastering Instagram for business is to show what you do in a creative way. You should focus on the solution you provide and not the products you sell. And it's important to note on Instagram, it's essential to add value to your customers and look pretty while you do it. You should never underestimate the fact that your most important asset, and um, don't forget to note and downfall on the social media network is visual content. Visual content on Instagram is huge. If your business is service oriented, you should focus on showcasing the process behind providing the service. You should show your company culture, share your mission with the world, or simply just share some tips and, and some how-tos. On Instagram, it's possible to upload photos, short videos similar to GIFs called boomerangs. And um, actually, the application I discussed last week, um, it's called Snow. This is a great way to, to just produce boomerangs, and it's really easy and simple, and don't forget it's free. And um, on Instagram, you can create videos up to one minute in length. So this is a good amount of time to really showcase your product to, to different audiences. Um, the second tip here is to try Instagram stories. Instagram stories have a, sh a slideshow format and are only live for 24 hours, but they can be saved for later use. Um, Instagram stories are a great way just to show daily content, maybe what goes on the office and, and the various techniques you're using just to get your customers engaged. Um, Instagram stories is a new feature to Instagram and it's a direct competitor to, to Snapchat stories. Um, Snapchat really boomed off and it's doing great so Instagram kind of followed their method um, to success and added their own little stories um, to view um, business content. Some of the benefits of using Instagram stories for brands are stories are prominently displayed at the top of follower timelines just under the Instagram lo logo. So they're really easy to find. They're um, just like little circles on the top of the Instagram app. Um, using Instagram stories, you can capture behind the scenes content that doesn't have to be as high in quality as regular posts. So these could just be fun little daily posts of like what you're doing, what your office is doing. Um, like new techniques you're developing for your business. Um, Instagram stories makes it easy to experiment with different types of content. These could be photo, short video, boomerang, or even video film backwards and rewind. And, and rewind is just a fun little feature to use in it, and it's kind of different. It hasn't been used by Snapchat yet. Well, it has, but it's not, it's not as effective as Instagram. Um, using the stories, you could tag other accounts in your stories, um, such as your Facebook account or your Twitter account, etc. Um, you could add face filters, text, and stickers to edit your images, and, and these are just fun little tools to use. And you can also add a story search for hashtags and locations. And I recommend um, adding a location on your Instagram story because um, users could actually look at the locations on a geo map and they could click your story even if they're not friends with you, which is pretty cool.
Um, our next tip is to create a winning profile. Um, as a company, you probably do a lot of things and you offer a lot of services, um, like we do a data wonderment. So it's important not to get caught up in trying to fit the character limit. You shouldn't focus on the character limit. Rather, you should focus on the event promotion or even a product launch or, or the next big thing. Um, don't get caught up looking at your character limit. That's really important when using um, Instagram. Our next tip is to um, take your audience behind the scenes. It's important to note that customers have a natural curiosity about where their products come from. And you could really use Instagram to showcase the whole life cycle of the product. You could use Instagram to, to make people familiar. You could put sketches, notes, or even a filled whiteboard or blackboard. Every business has brainstormed ideas, so you should really showcase these using Instagram. Um, show your customers all the different things that go into making a product or service and how you can help their business or even their next project. Our next um, tip is to expand your reach with hashtags. You should use hashtags to expand your reach. These can be campaign specific or general. All that's really important with hashtags is that they're relevant. So your hashtag should, be, um, should make your content easier for people to find and it should correlate with your content and your account. The best practice is to use between three to five hashtags. You should use your own campaign specific hashtags. These are important because people will be able to discover your content in a more specific manner. It's also important to consider how you add hashtags. These can be added to the end of the post or in a comment or worked into the actual post. Um, a good company to look at that actually does a really good job with hashtags is GoPro. So another tip that's really important is to collaborate and mention others. And you can mention others by using that and symbol um, on your keyboard, like towards the numbers. Um, you should take into account that not everyone is monitoring hashtags on social media. So tagging an account is usually a better choice if you want to get noticed. And Instagram is one of the strongest social media channels for highlighting collaborators and sharing customer success stories. Um, another cool technique involves the use of shoutouts. An unpaid shout-out is when you partner with another brand that has roughly the same number of followers as you to promote each other to your audiences and you both benefit from increased exposure. The paid shout-out is for those with a bigger budget as it's essentially an influencer campaign. This usually involves paying a brand or influencer with a much larger following to promote your product or service. Paid shoutouts are a great way to gain a large number of new followers quickly, providing that you create a strong call to action and an influencer's audience is gen genuine. Another great tip to use, and a tip that I actually um, really focused on when I was in college, was to build anticipation and offer exclusivity. 
On Instagram, keeping your customers interested is an essential part of any effective marketing campaign. You should always, always, always reward your loyal followers with exclusive content. Let them be the first to know about new products, services, or even events. You could do this on Instagram by creating teaser photos that build anticipation or satisfy curiosity for your new releases. This kind of preview makes your Instagram followers feel special and keeps them coming back for more insider information. Our last and final tip is to analyze your success and build on it. And um, we all know that just analyzing content and what worked and didn't work is a great way to understanding um, future campaigns. You should always, always use social media management tools that help you get through your analytics. You can use them not only to schedule your Instagram campaigns in advance, but you can also use social media analytics to measure their success. You should always make sure that you're regularly measuring your follower count, engagement, and clicks. The last article we'll talk about for this week's podcast is a few secrets to building a successful business on Instagram. The first secret is agility. This is finding what works and what doesn't work for you. The next tip is flexibility. You should always experiment with visual techniques on Instagram. You should make your images more interesting and play around with images in a diverse way that shows the content that you had success with. The third secret is proficiency. The best accounts get a lot of eyeballs. The best way to figure out how to get a lot of eyeballs is to be innovative and consistent. Businesses that do this develop muscle memory. Our last secret is um, to have the ability to multitask. You should be able to um, engage fans with a lot of photos and make it easy for your fans to get in on what they're seeing. So we'll take a break, and for the next part of our podcast, we'll talk about an old business marketing podcast and a startups.co article. Stay tuned. So welcome back to the second half of our podcast, and we'll discuss our social media marketing podcast for this week with our guest Suzanne Wenograd. And today we'll be discussing Facebook ad funnels. Um, these are an amazing way to reduce your cost and make sure people become customers. And our app of discovery for this week is an app called Link tr.ee this helps you do more with your single link in your instagram bio this allows you to set up a bunch of clickable links on your instagram bio you can optimize where you are sending people in your instagram bio 
and um, currently right now in your Instagram bio it only allows you to put one link so this helps you add more links than just one to your bio and that's why this application is really 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 important to change your links in your Instagram bio you just log into the application and change them out you could do this through the web and um, the URL would show, for example, Linktree slash Data Wonderment. Um, this application has a free option, and you could find the website again at linktr.ee. So now we'll talk about this week's expert speaker, Susan Winograd. She started as a Facebook ads expert. She specializes in Facebook ads and funnels function. We'll talk about lowering ad cost using funnels. Um, Susan started in e-commerce in the mid 2000s. She did email marketing, paid search, etc. She did in-house for a company that wanted her to start making Facebook ads. And she got, she really fell in love with um, creating these ads so she recently got out and started her own business. So in this week's um, marketing podcast, Sue will be discussing video-based funnels to create micro-conversions. Some common mistakes that Sue mentions is when people set up a Facebook ad, they often choose the wrong objective. With a conversion-focused campaign, you can set up a multitude of conversions that you want to track or optimize for. Sue finds that you should always pick a customizable conversion. While Facebook does a really good job of, of picking the right conversion for you, choosing a customizable one allows you to pick an audience based on the um, information you already have. When you run a conversion campaign that doesn't have enough data, Facebook isn't exactly sure how to optimize it for you. Sue um, often finds that Facebook's recommendation is accurate, but if you have a super niched audience with a one kind of person who's buying one type of product, your campaign can sometimes work with a lower number of conversions. Essentially, Facebook needs at least 50 conversions to look at the users and see who they are and what they do in order to find other users who are like them. Without that data, Facebook just really struggles. It doesn't really know what it's looking for, according to Sue. To maximize your ad spend, Sue suggests changing how you think about conversions. The ultimate conversion might be someone signing up for software buying your product, but your audience takes steps before they convert. So these steps are really worth noting according to Sue. Your initial engagement goal might not be your ultimate conversion goal, but a cue that helps you reach those who sign up or even buy. So let's get down to the meat and bones of creating a funnel. When people start to create a funnel, Sue finds they want to dig into the interests and custom audiences. Then after developing this great idea for a funnel, they realize they don't have any creative that will work for their funnel. 
Sue recommends developing a funnel in the reverse. You should always, always, always start with your content and continue from there. The best way to go about this is by using an audit content. When Sue starts working with a client, she does a content audit. She looks at what pieces of content they already have and where they might be missing something. The audit clarifies what funnel ideas are feasible to launch now versus ideas that require content to be creative. In your, in your audit, you should include anything that's ready. This includes PDFs, webinars, or even eBooks. You can even include a blog post that's super helpful and has received great feedback. After you complete the audit, you know what you have to offer users in the first place. And then you should move on to identifying audiences. You should um, determine what kinds of audience you already have. For instance, do you have an email list? And if so, how large is it? How much traffic is your website getting? With, with this information, you know what data samples you can use as a starting point for retargeting. Sue had a really cool way of organizing audiences. She calls it the cold, warm, and hot audiences. Um, so this is basically after you know what audience you, audiences you have, you can begin developing an idea of the three buckets you'll be working with. These are typically cold, warm, and hot. Cold audiences are people who have never visited your site or interacted with you in any way. You haven't served them a video or anything like that. Because you have no idea who these people are and what you can offer them, you show ads to cold audiences using lookalike audiences or only an interest. Warm audiences are usually that engagement retargeting group. These people might not have visited your site but may have downloaded a PDF, so they're on your email list. You've encountered them somehow and they've watched 25% of your video and um, basically any of those things. Your hot bottom of funnel audiences are people who have been to your site. Sometimes you put extra parameters on the audience to make sure they're really engaged. For instance, you can create a retargeting audience of people who visited your site but only those who visited a certain number of times. Sue recommends categorizing these audiences as warm, cold, or hot. She starts by completing a worksheet with her clients because the process can be overwhelming. If you have 50 audiences, you're not only deciding where they go, but also which audiences you do or don't want to build the funnel around. With the worksheet, you can begin seeing how your funnels will likely play out. And um, this is a pretty cool tip for data wonderment, just to create a sheet with these three targeting groups. And I found that it was a great tip to just throw out there. Next, you should match content to each audience in your funnel. You should revisit the content you have and decide what makes the most sense to serve to your different audiences. It's important to note that each audience's place in the funnel can help you make a good match. 
Content for the hot audience will be focused on selling because that audience already knows who you are and what you offer. Whereas your cold audience will be more on um, giving them more information and trying to get them to learn more about your business. For a cold audience, you should share something that doesn't require much time or effort from the user. Gated content that requires a user to share an email address or a 30-page ebook is too much for someone who doesn't know who you are or what you do. For a cold audience, instead you should share content that says hello and explains who you are. This could be a blog post or video that offers value quickly without asking for anything in return. After you know what content each audience sees, you should set up ads that track who takes the action and how people move through the funnel. For instance, in a video funnel, you might show a cold audience, a user-generated video, or a before and after video. So you should set up an ad for the cold audience that shows them the video. Sue uses funnel automation to create ads for the cold audience. She also creates audiences to move people into the warm audiences. Say that audience is people who watch 25% of the video you showed to the cold audience. If the warm audience is already set up, people from the cold audience move into the warm audience automatically if they meet the warm audience criteria. Susan also makes sure to um, have a remarketing audience set up for the warm audience. As the funnel starts to move people from the cold audience into the warm audience, you'll start seeing the warm funnel campaign acute impressions. The upshot is that if you set up all of the audiences at the beginning, the funnel is self-sustaining and can start running. Another great tip is to use content sequencing. While people are in the warm audience, you can continue to develop content for them. However, if your content is text instead of video, moving people from one piece of content to the next can be challenging. Facebook lets you create custom audiences by choosing the video people watched, but doesn't let you create a custom audience based on other content types. As a result for managing all this information, Sue recommends an Excel spreadsheet, and she says Excel spreadsheets are your friends. Before she even begins setting up ads in Facebook, she maps out the whole funnel. With this blueprint, Sue can set up the funnel in robot mode. She finds trying to think through the funnel as she sets it up in Facebook could be a, can be ex- exceptionally confusing after a while. Sue's next tip is to allocate the budget. Over time, where you spend money on ad changes. In the beginning, you might bulk up all your money towards targeting cold audience because you don't have the funnel in place yet. She recommends going out and finding people who spend time in the middle funnel. Um, Focusing on the middle funnel will bring you hot audiences and cold audiences. So Sue's last tip is to allocate your budget. 
Um, she notes that eventually your warm audiences will become too big, so you need to manage your budget by limiting their size. To determine a good time frame, Sue uses Google Analytics time lag report. This report doesn't work well for long sales cycles because it goes back only so far. However, this report usually shows when conversion, conversions are likely to happen. So this concludes our marketing podcast for this week and stay tuned for our startups.co information. For this week's Startups.co article, we'll be discussing some ways to accurately measure digital marketing return on investment. It's important to note if marketers had a greater ability to track return on investment, over 75% would increase their marketing spend. It's really important to identify what your business is looking to achieve and how it can accurately measure its success. This will lead your business to a clear measure of your digital marketing return on investment, understanding where the money is going. You'll also know if you are getting a better bang for your buck. So the first step to doing this is knowing your objectives. While some marketers might claim to be able to track online and mobile marketing campaigns, a wearing 54% admit difficulty when tracking traditional channels and a further 50% express difficulty tracking cross-channel return on investment. To really get an understanding of a campaign's true return, those within marketing should identify clear goals with the aim of achieving objective results. Um, I remember talking about this in the past, but a great way to do this is by establishing SMART objectives. These are a great standard to use in order to assess the quality of measures implemented by the marketing team. The key is to set goals that are specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and time-bound. By doing this, marketing teams can better understand what works for um, for them achieving their goals and ultimately how their work is directly impacting sales and return on investment. The second thing to note is to know your customers. Not all customers are equal in terms of digital marketing return on investment. By distinguishing between the different types of customers, it is possible to recognize those who will um, result in higher return on investment. This division between customers can most easily be described by using the 80-20 principle, which essentially means roughly 80% of sales will come from your top 20% of customers. By acknowledging this, a marketing team can understand that it is not the number of customers reached that is important, but the type of customer. And certain key characteristics such as average trans transaction value, loyalty, and how often they ask for discounts can help identify the most valuable customers. You should identify who um, who your most profitable customers are and where you can find them and really how you can hold on to them. Our next tip is to know where your money is going. If um, you implement your return on investment correctly, creating measurable objectives and obtaining the right customers can be an excellent recipe for promising results. 
It is really vital to understand how much was first invested into marketing before celebrating your results. Failing to see how much you spent is a common problem. Many marketing campaigns overlook certain hidden costs, distorting the true return on investment. So um, to really sum this up, for a company to accurately measure return on investment, it must consider all expenses used to produce a successful marketing campaign. By doing this, a company can see where it started and more accurately understand what it has achieved. You can also ultimately develop a greater clarity surrounding um, your return on investment. So this concludes podcast number 11. And um, I hope everyone has a great week and furthers their success in business and their personal goals. Thank you.